Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm always fascinated by that. I'd love to know what was actually playing on it, if even anything was playing. Like, what, what does Ronaldo listen to before a game? I reckon they'd be into, like, really shit Europop. Do you think so? Yeah. Well, it, the only other thing I was thinking is, is it actually not going to be music, but some, like, super serious motivational tone Could be. that's being read out to him? Like, Could be. When, when I interviewed... Do, um, do, do you remember the Wolves goalkeeper, Matt Murray? Yes. He told me that um, when he played, when he was playing... He was really uh, single-minded and focused in the leading up in the morning, leading up to a game. So if he was driving to a home game, he had this CD made up that someone put together for him of all these different radio commentaries of him making great saves. Okay, so it could be that. That's super interesting. Yeah, he said that the first CD he got made up had a couple of um, had a couple of things that he said weren't what he felt were positive affirmations. So they had like negative things in them, <laughs> leading up to positive things. So he didn't want them in there. Didn't want that. No Team positivity. Yeah, that's what I it like takes. It. That's what he t- takes me on anyway. Well, we've been looking forward to it for a while, but Zlatan did finally go back to, to AC Milan, as you mentioned last week, Andy, and then he made his de- debut against Sampdoria in, in a barn-burning nil-nil. Um, what do we make of his appearance? And is everyone at the club as excited as the kind of football Twitter follower hipsters? I mean, people are definitely excited. People yeah. are, or people were excited. Um, it's definitely what they when, need, isn't it? When <laughs> so much, <really. laughs> um, when when Zlatan signed, um, there was definitely a very positive reaction in the city of Milan when he showed up at training. There were people outside the training gates when he threw his shirt into into the sort of mass of fans outside. Everyone went crazy. They sold nearly sixty thousand tickets for this um, game against Sampdoria. His his arrival has excited people at least for a moment mm. and the thing that i um you know have tried to get a a, a feel for talking to, to different sort of fans and and people i know who follow the team others okay but but what is anyone actually expecting yeah and i think that most um milan fans i think there are very few who looked at this signing um and genuinely expected it to be transformative in some sort of greater way because the team is terrible um mm. i mean really really awful this season and um this you know, even before this weekend, I think they were already twenty-one points off of uh, first place, which gives you some in, off some indication. Um, all the more painful, I feel like, because it's Inter who are up there, joint mm. top, who have scored, who are scoring goals so freely. Um, and I think a lot of Milan fans, it's not even about the Champions League because even that's starting to feel quite unobtainable. It's just about, I mean, having a bit of fun, but at this point also. Just scoring a flipping goal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They're, they're averaging less than one per game. Um, I think Piontek and Leao, the two sort of actual strikers in the squad, have both got one each from open play in 17 uh, matches. Or right. 18 now. Um, it's awful. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost just like this desperate, desperate desire 
to be able to watch a game of football and enjoy it a little bit because Ooh. there really hasn't been much. But Nicky, one of the things, I don't know if you, you're able to, to, to hear it, but last week Andy was talking about the idea that Zlatan might be a little bit more important for them off the pitch than he is on the pitch. Mm. Um, presumably that's going to take a while to manifest itself, if indeed it does. But do, would you go along with that? I'm, 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 I definitely um, wouldn't disagree that I think Ibrahimovic, certainly at 38, which again, he is 38 now, mm. um, has something to offer in that regard. I think he is more of a um, a cohesive figure than perhaps he's imagined that, certainly again, at this stage in his career. But, you know, I think some of the expectations even there being put upon him are wildly optimistic. I mean, what are you really expecting this guy to do, to walk into a, a, a changing room where there is clearly shattered confidence for a lot of players? I mean, there are mm. a lot of players... I think you can certainly look, you can look at this team and, and make some very serious criticisms of how money has been spent in the squad they've put together, right? When you look yeah. at um, um, net spend over the last three years, um, these are numbers from Transfer Market, which aren't perfect because no one knows the exact, exact numbers on some of these deals, but pretty accurate, broadly. I think only Man City um, have spent more in the last three seasons than, than Milan, right? That's that's wild. You think about, yeah, okay, like what the teams are. But it's also not a squad that has no talent whatsoever. I mean, when you look at some of these players like Chalinoglu and you think about what he did in Germany, you think, okay, he's got something. You look mm. at Piontek and think, okay, well, he was a bit raw, but he did score a lot of goals last season. Um, mm. There are players there who are, are not total bums. I think certainly the back of the team as well. Romagnoli, in my opinion, is you know is actually still performing pretty well. Donnarumma's having a perfectly decent season. Um, and if you want to look at other players who've performed well within Serie A, Kessier and Conti, both of them have had good times at Atalanta. But there's just such a sort of shattered sense to this team at the moment that it feels well beyond anything that you can repair with one player coming in. And look, in terms of what he did for 40 minutes against Sampdoria, he came off the bench and there was this sort of moment of excitement. He, I do think his presence energised it just a tiny bit, but probably touched the ball about 15 times you know mm. you, you, can't, you can't you can't transform a team like that no that that's that's right but when we're talking about like him having an impact on on, on younger players which as i was saying last week to the, the the chaps is something that's like underrated that he's, he's better at than people give mm. him credit for i thought it was quite interesting that he came on at the same time as rafael leal and he was working clearly as a foil for Rafael Leal to try and bring him more into the game. I mean, this was a kid who, like before he joined Lille last year, he he spoke to Juventus and, and Dortmund. A lot of people were really interested in him. And now people have, certainly in Portugal, have looked at it and thought, Leal's made a dreadful career decision hmm. moving, to, moving to Milan. But they've got to try and make it work. I mean, clearly they're, they're trying to shift Piontek yeah. in the, in this window, but Leao is something they want to work with. And it was, it was interesting. I thought in post game as well, immediately after the game where obviously there was a great deal of disappointment around the stadium. Cause as you said, it was an awful game. It was mm. absolutely awful. And you're picking comfort from it where you can find it to an extent. It's interesting to see Ibrahimovic go over to Leao, um, sort of hold him and like have a little word with him as as well afterwards. I wonder if he is that kind of big brother for him, really. Yeah, I, yeah. Again, I, I can I can see that. I can see him being that, and I think probably Ibrahimovic wants to be that almost at this point in his career. I mean, he's not under for all of the bravado. He's not under illusions about who he is at this point of his career mm. anymore. And actually, he was sort of asked about that. Um, what he can do and the fact that he's slower and he joked and he said, oh, well, you know, I can still shoot from 40 metres, which he probably can, by the way. <laughs> um, but he is slower. He is sort of heavier. He is you know, not the athlete that he once was. Um, and I'm, I'm certain that he would take a lot of pleasure in being a mentor, which um, you know, might contrast some people we might even talk about later in this show in terms mm. of older players and younger players. But I just think, again, that that might be a good thing on an individual basis for Leao and it might pay some dividends at some point. But I just, I don't know, again, what level people are expecting from that. I don't think that um, is something like you can come in and, and wave your ibracadabra, your magic wand and, and suddenly transform Leao. What do you think it means for uh, Pioli? I mean, I mean, is he, is he in a situation where, 
I mean, I don't quite know well enough the, the, the intricacies of the club and how they sign players, but is he thinking, God, this is an absolute bin fire and this, is, this guy coming in is all I need? Or is he thinking, actually, great, a bit of support. I know the guy, we can work together and he can help me. You know, he's certainly publicly been very positive about it. Um, he described it as a great gift from the ownership. Um, he, um, <laughs> the dear leader. Yeah, it did sound a little bit like that. I did think they're, that. They're treating me very well. Yeah. But I mean, While blinking torture in Morse code. I mean, I mean, this is a fascinating sort of category of job, isn't it? Like the the manager who gets a big club job, the biggest job of his career, Pioli, for sure. Hmm. But in under circumstances which you know are very, very suboptimal. Like... I don't know what your hopes and expectations are even as a manager in that situation yeah. to sort of hang on and make everyone feel like you've done a good enough job this season and, and that things may change in the summer. But it's it's sort of, it's it's above him and beyond him, this recruitment strategy that has sort of been so all over the place. I mean, you think in the summer, it was Marco Giampaolo was the manager and it was very specifically this idea of playing in a Giampaolo style, which involved having the number 10. And then the whole summer spent chasing... Uh, Korea not getting him hmm. instead in comes Rebic who is bad and also not <laughs> you know also not really doesn't really fit that role in that system um so Pioli sort of been brought in and almost asked to okay well this is the squad you have make it work hmm. and again like when I when I go through it player by player I don't think Champions League squad necessarily but I think there's there's stuff to work with here I mean mm. I didn't mention before Teo Hernandez who's been their best player this season um, Ishmael Benasse coming off being the, the best player at the Africa Cup of Nations these are, these are players who mm. should be the basis of look a better team than a bunch of the teams ahead of them Cagliari um, you know arguably uh, better than a team like Atalanta certainly costing you more than a team like Atalanta squad mm. there's not nothing there to work with it's the fact that um, you know you've got like three different people in the same-ish role as, as director of sport who are all getting paid a vast amount of money. You've got um, a recruitment strategy that doesn't make any sense. And I think as well as anything, just you've got everyone's morale on the floor right now. And I think that is the one thing in which you can really look at the every signing and go, okay, this is something that will perk everybody up. It'll mm. make everyone feel good. Mm. I just think that probably that's overestimated in terms of how much you can do. I think that feel good factor lasts about five minutes mm. until you're playing Sampdoria and you still can't score for the third game running and it doesn't feel like anything's changed. I mean, you mentioned, just I'm keen to get into this, this purely thing a little bit more very, very quickly. Is he, is he also at the back of his mind thinking, yeah, I wouldn't, kind of be doing this job if they weren't in a, in a bit of a shit state and so I, it's my responsibility to make the best of it because he wouldn't have been considered for the job had they been flying high sure sure and I actually think he's done a not bad job weirdly hmm. I think right up until the Atalanta game before the winter break the general feeling was this team is still not where it needs to be but it's moving in a better direction the football is is qualitatively better it looks better it, it feels like there's a bit more dynamism and idea behind the play but that defeat to Atalanta was so shattering um, and it again, the Samp game just didn't feel like anything's been shed from it. It is a an opportunity for him um, as a manager. Again, it's the biggest job of his career so far, and so I'm certain he'll be viewing it as I need to come away from this, even if I don't keep this job with some sort of positive reflection on me. I don't, I, I don't even know what's a good season for Milan anymore. I mean, they're not going to get relegated, but the European places. I suppose the Europa League places probably aren't as distant as, as they feel because those teams will all have their own flaws and, and, and slips along the way, but it, it does feel very distant at the moment. Well, he's already already lasted longer than Marco Giampaolo, so that's something to... <laughs> so, and, and, and you mentioned Cagliari. I mean, uh, Milan go to Cagliari um, this weekend, and if they if they lose that, that'll be a further blow to their morale, yeah. won't it? But but I've got, we spoke about, about, about Zlatan there. One of his um, previous colleagues at Milan, Gennaro Gattuso, is... Has his feet under the table now at Napoli, but mm-hmm. it's not really going that well. And I wondered, Nikki and Andy, if you guys think that that's to do with the the situation he's inherited, or whether that's just because they've had some difficult games. They lost two out of the last three at home. I think they lost to Inter three one at home last time out. What do you make of the situation there at the moment? The the one thing I would say before we talk about Napoli is Inter were really good, and yeah. and, and that was the sort of game coming back straight after the holidays where you think. This is a game where, you know, it's, it's, it's going to have that holiday spirit, of, of course, and Napoli are going to want to have a go at them. And as, as mm. you say, whatever Napoli's issues at the moment, there's a lot of quality in that that squad. Mm. But that was a, a terrific performance for yeah. Inter. Inter who never win at San Paolo as, as well, which is something years. you can have like 23, 23 years. 23 years, yeah. I mean, that was, it was huge. And I think that's really significant as well when you look at... 
Um, do you know Inter have been top under the last two managers at this time of year? Um, they were top in January under um, Mancini. Yeah. They were top in mid-December under Spalletti. Um, and both times they really fell apart in the in the winter and, and January. And this has been one of Conte's mantras. We're not Pazza Inter. We're not crazy Inter Ooh, anymore. Mm. Um, and after the game, he talked about... Um, he referenced this Fantozzi cloud, which is a reference to a cult movie in, in Italy from the 70s where the central character Fantozzi is this clerk who everywhere he goes, he has this rain cloud that is like his personal rain cloud and just <laughs> rains on him all the time. And it's, I mean, it's amazing. The animation on it, you can imagine it's the 70s. It's sort of, I don't really know enough about a film how it works, but it sort of looks like someone has literally taken the film and overlaid like a, a picture of a, a cutout of some of a cloud that someone's drawn. What's the name of the film? Fantozzi. Fantozzi, right? People um, can look it up. But um, he um, he referenced the idea that Inter have this Fantozzi cloud that appears in the in the winter and just sort of rains on them, and mm. they don't want you know they're getting rid of that. I think um, lots of interesting stuff to say about Inter and how they play, and I think um, there was an interesting conversation after the game as well between Capello and and Conte Capello on Sky's coverage. Um, about this sort of idea that Inter are a counter-attacking team but um, I don't want to get too sidetracked because Luke did actually ask about Napoli. Um, <laughs> don't worry Andy normally just answers whatever he wants. <laughs> well, I think Gattuso is definitely interesting. Um, I found the the change personally just on a personal I found it really just disappointing because whatever was and wasn't right under Carlo Ancelotti and there's plenty that was wrong I think that the team at least had a chance to do something more interesting in the Champions League with Ancelotti. I think that you look at the games he got right against Liverpool and you look at the things that they did do right and you think, this season isn't going well anyway. If if, if he could have still got you into the top four and, and had a run in the Champions League, wouldn't that have been more fun than what you're going to get under Gattuso, which is basically a give up? Um, but it, it's the end of an era in a big way. Um, and Gattuso, without wanting to be too harsh on him, it, it feels to me a lot like a... It's it's somewhere between a total sort of like, okay, you're just here to sort of caretake through this difficult bit. And uh, well, you know, you're a very low cost gamble who might might turn out something um, because his, you know, his wages are a fraction of, of what Ancelotti's were um, because things are coming apart. You know, we've got Dries Mertens, who has been the absolute icon of this club, uh, the player who surpassed Maradona in the scoring charts just earlier this season, who is almost at the point of, of frozen out now. We have this weird situation where he's gone back to Belgium to receive treatment and he's extended it and everyone's asking, is he really even receiving treatment or is this just how far apart his relationship as in the club has become over the last few months because he's out of contract in the summer and every indication from the things that De Laurentiis has said, the way he behaved over the mutiny when they refused to stay in, in the punitive training camp mm. just suggests that his his relationship with the club is totally fractured. Can I, can I tell you, it will absolutely break my heart if he doesn't break the, the Napoli goal-scoring record because yeah. he's, he's only three behind uh, Marek Hamzik, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And it's, it's <clears> interesting. I, but it you feels know, realistic you, that he might not. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Because if you if you look back at the... Like all, all the great players that, that Napoli have had and when we do our decade reviews and I, I was doing the decade review elsewhere and you know you're thinking about how Napoli changed and became a contender really in the in, in the second half of the decade after re-upping with players like, like Hamjik and like Edinson Cavani everything that happened under Mazzari to make them relevant and competitive again after after what happened to, to them before um, it's, it's really interesting that you've had these players who seem like they were destined to overtake Maradona. I mean, Hamzik just did it out of longevity in the end, almost, even though, of course, he's a, he's a club legend. But it looked like Cavani was destined to break the Maradona record. It looked like Higuain was destined to break the Maradona record. And is, is Hamzik going to be the third of like a really unlucky trinity? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, as you say, like, he got beyond Maradona, but doesn't get to be number one. I, I find it heartbreaking because of all players, like M- Mertens went there and he... You know, he embraced Naples. I remember it was one of my, um, I was one of those interviews I really enjoyed getting to speak to him a few years ago when he was there and he talked about accepting a culture, like going somewhere and really like embracing it. And he said, you know, when I was in um, Belgium or Holland, you know, there's this culture of um, you eat dinner quite early and then you go home and, you know, you sit on your sofa and you watch TV, you know, and here in Naples, people go out at 10 at night for dinner and then you walk by the sea. And he was like, and I, you know, I wanted to live this properly and to do it and that's why in in actually in Naples he's nicknamed Chiro not Dries because he's sort of seen so like <laughs> Neapolitan that they get to give him like an actual Neapolitan name but yeah ever since the mutiny um the, that refusal again to stay in that punitive training base after the Salzburg game he has 
been it feels like quite marginalized by the club if not necessarily his managers um there are other players at the club who are clearly unhappy um and it sort of feels like you're coming to an end of an era with players like Koulibaly who's almost certainly going to get sold this summer um everything has gone awry in the sort of feel of that club and the mood of it so Gattuso has inherited a very difficult situation in terms of what he's actually doing on the pitch it feels to me like basically his solution to this has been let's go back to the time before Ancelotti let's go back to what works 4-3-3 I thought the goal they scored Mm. against Inter whilst lovely it was like that's a Marito Sari goal that's what that is that's the angle ball over the top to Callejon which we saw like 30 times a season under Sari's team Um, and Sure, like you'll get something from that. Moving Callahan forward because he was playing deeper under Ancelotti. Yeah, you'll you'll be able to tap into those familiar mechanisms, things that people know. But I don't think that going back in time is any sort of long-term solution. I mean, for a start, that 4-3-3 under Sarri, what made it tick? Jorginho in the middle. He's mm. not there. Mm. You know, Alan is not the same kind of player. Fabian Ruiz has looked desperately bad the last few weeks and he's playing too deep in that formation. He needs to play further forward. So, mm. you know, I I don't know... I don't know that this can end particularly well for Gattuso. I think he probably, um, you know, is is there to to see things through to the end of the season. The big question then becomes, what is De Laurentiis? What is the owner's idea here? Because actually, he has built for a long time. For you know, he's lots of things you can criticize him for, but De Laurentiis has built a, a model for Napoli that was sustainable, that made them the second best team in Italy for a long period, which they shouldn't be financially. Mm. They're not structurally set up to be that. They're not structurally set up to um, compete for the title, which, you know, people will always forget this because people will look at the number of titles Juventus won and say, oh, it was easy. It wasn't always. Sally mm. pushed them so hard and so close. But is he still, as an owner... Wanting to do that, people have pointed out, you know, as a family, the Film Auro, which is his film company, also owns Bari, who are pushing to come up from the third tier at the moment. And there's already discussions of, oh, if Bari were to get up into the top tier and he had to divest himself of one of these two conflicting interests, is it really Napoli or is it Bari he's more interested in? These are questions people are asking right now. Mm. And I'm not saying they're answered. I'm not saying he is on his way out, but it definitely feels like a, it feels like a, uh, an, an era ending for Napoli and um, I think Gattuso his role in what that can be is you know is only so much and time will tell us whether or not it's the beginning of a new era and something different or if it's the end of something big poi Trezeguet sulla destra la palla spistata Nedved attenzione cerca il fondo pallonetto poi arriva l'alta del Piero gol Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
in a move that broke. Um, you're right, Andy. You got a little cough. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, in a, <laughs> it's January. Come on. <laughs> it's true. In a move that broke um, the hearts of Spurs fans everywhere. Alexander Nubel has agreed to move to Bayern. The 23-year-old Schalke goalkeeper. And erstwhile, erstwhile captain. captain. <laughs> I mean, it feels like a rite of passage. That right? You're going to go, are you? Right. Give us the armband. Yeah. Uh, he's he's off to. to well, they're, they're doing what the fans did to Goretzka. Like, yeah, you know, the other yeah. the other January transfer window. Um, so he's he's now persona non grata at Schalke, but he will be off to Bayern. Um, Manuel Neuer did an amazing job of saying he didn't have the hump about it, and it wouldn't come into uh, his his thinking when he was talking about extending his contract. But his face, to me, told a bit of a different story. Uh, it's an exciting move. He's an exciting young goalkeeper. Like I say, Premier League club fans here will be disappointed because he was linked with a couple of other moves. But he's gone to Bayern, Andy. Yeah, and I don't know if Bayern have created a bit of a situation for themselves here and Nubel's created a bit of a situation for himself because um, I think the captaincy is a, a valid point to start with because um, Schalke made him captain at the start of the season knowing his contract was winding down. They sent Ralph Fairman off on loan to, to, to Norwich to basically say, you're our guy and, mm. and we, we, we trust you to, 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 to lead Schalke forward. Um, and um, you know it's, it's significant isn't it when you make a goalkeeper captain just like it was significant when they made Fairman captain before even though he wasn't someone who outwardly looked as if he had um, the, the, the sort of gravitas and and I, I guess the the front foot forwardness to, to be their captain but with, with Newbell it was very much yeah you're going to lead this 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 young lot but was forward. that a transparent attempt to try and convince him to stay yeah it was a transparent attempt yeah. and you know it, it sort of goes back to they've, they've, they've tried other things to stop people leaving for free before and this has become a recurrent problem for Schalke you know they, they offered Goretzka the most money uh, that I a remember, player yeah. ever would have been paid in the history of the club yeah. to stay and, and, and he, he still wouldn't have it so to lose another young player for free and to lose him to, to Bayern is, is doubly vexing. Um, but it's an interesting strategy from Newbell because he's a rising young goalkeeper. I think when you look at the order behind uh, Tushtegen and um, uh, Manuel Neuer, there is an opportunity for him, for him to break towards the, the, the Germany national team. And yeah, he's put himself in a situation where as things stand at the moment, I mean, Neuer's still thought of as as, as a big dog. You know, I mean, mm. there's a lot of people who think that he shouldn't be Germany's number one at the moment, me included. Yes, because, you're one of those people. Uh, yeah, to Stegen has, 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 has been brilliant over the last couple of years and Neuer, I would argue, somewhat less so. Um, but he does have some iconic status. Now, it's interesting because, of course, Uli Hoeneß has said before he created that big fuss when there was that discussion over Neuer or Tushtegen. Well, you know, if if Neuer gets dropped, well, we'll withdraw all the Germany players from, uh, all the Bayern, Bayern players play, from, yeah. the, from the Germany squad. And, you know, it's a very Hernes-esque uh, fuss. He's quite, te- he's quite a tedious bloke. Every time you hit mention him, you just think, oh, why are you doing that? Why are you saying that? I, I think you could say a lot, a lot of things about him. I'm not sure you could say tedious. Yeah, you he, know he, what does I mean. some, he does some crazy stuff. Yeah, you know what I mean. But, um, any anyway, he sort of um, he's he's not part really officially at least of that thought process anymore. He's moved on. They're introducing Oliver Kahn, who's going to become um, a very influential figure at, at, at the club, and he's he's starting work there um, th- this new year. Um, but it's it's interesting with Kahn's history as a goalkeeper and a particularly headstrong goalkeeper, how he's going to play his part in managing this this situation because obviously they're talking to Neuer about a new contract. They want him to stay. There was talk initially after Newbell initially signed of, well, maybe there'll be this um, opportunity for Newbell to get 15 games a season. We'll encourage um, Neuer, uh, Neuer to, to step back and give him a little room. So there's a transition period. And, you know, <laughs> Did Neuer say no. Well, pub- publicly, <laughs> yeah. he's, he said, "Look, I'm not resting." Yeah. So, where does where does which that is, leave Newbell already? Which is, you know, fascinating because, of course, you've had that. You say with the national team, like he's absolutely like no test taking can't have one minute. It's not mm. like, oh, yeah. okay, you know, I'll give up this and that. It's like, mm. no, I'm number one, and that's how it is. Yeah. So yeah, you so can't I've... imagine even like cup games, him being like, "Oh, I'll take a back seat," because he almost. Yeah, he just doesn't seem at all interested. I, I, don't, I don't really necessarily blame him for that. I mean, you, you think of what it takes to rise to the very top of your of your profession, and you don't really get there, particularly as a goalkeeper, where there's only one a spot for one yeah. of you. I thought you were going to say, like, if you bear in mind 
the amount of times he has to do absolutely bugger all in Bundesliga <laughs> matches. Yeah, that's I, true. I, I mean, it was it was it was always a problem. Like the, that that season where um, before before the World Cup, where you know there's a lot of contra- controversy over whether Neuer should be picked, and um, I remember like they, they were so desperate for him to prove himself to be able to get in the squad because he'd been out for absolutely yonks. And they were like, well, if we're winning quite comfortably against Eintracht Frankfurt in the DFB Pokal final, the DFB Pokal final, maybe we'll bring him on with half an hour to go. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, what would that prove? Like the yeah. first game Neuer played in that 17-18 season, it took him 22 minutes to touch the ball. Yeah. So He ended up playing four games in total, I think, or make four appearances in total. And also they got their asses kicked by Frankfurt in the cup final. But yeah. that's, that's the difference different story which meant they were able to to get Frankfurt's manager and that worked out brilliantly (laughs) (laughs) it's an interesting question isn't it because you know you think about Nubel going there and I think he's even said it in interviews he likes the idea of being mentored of Mm. having this great goalkeeper and having something to learn from but that only works if the mentor is not she wants to do it yeah like oppositional (laughs) to you and um this may be boring to people who don't um want to hear about NFL but I just uh, thought about contrast with American football and Aaron Rodgers has become this great, great quarterback in the league, one of the best. And um, when he first went to Green Bay, he was drafted high to be this future star. But Brett Favre, who is like a league all-time icon, was there. Mm. And everyone was sort of hoping that Favre would be like, okay, come under my wing. I know I'm getting towards the end of my career and I'll help you. And instead it was just like total opposition to the point that Favre was doing things like um, these pranks. Like he got uh, he got Rodgers uh, to, um, he told Rodgers, he basically took Roger's helmet in uh, pract- in uh, the locker room and told him it was a charity thing and he should sign it so that he would um, give it to some people. So Aaron Rodgers signs his own helmet and then realises afterwards, no, that's my actual helmet and ends up going out for training in front of everyone <laughs> with, with his signature on his helmet. So then everyone sort of points him going, oh, what a big head. He's doing <laughs> so like, I'm sort of imagining Noya doing something similar at this point, the way he's talking about this, like stitching Noble up. But so it, it, and, and that's a good, it's an interesting comparison because of course, with a quarterback, realistically, they can only be one quarterback yes. same with a goalkeeper yeah. really I mean I know it's kind of a modern thing to say we're going to have this goalkeeper for our cup games but generally speaking traditionally it's been one but then if you look at it in the midfield I mean when I spoke to Declan Rice for Ramble Meets he talked quite a lot about how Mark Noble's really taken him under his wing he gives him a lot of advice he even takes him out for dinner to speak to him about how they're getting on and so but I, the cynic in me thinks yeah but there's room for both of you in that midfield if, probably if, that's if, probably if you're why. Neuer is this not part of your legacy I, I mean that's that's the way I'd think of it but he's only 33 isn't he but, but, he doesn't uh, think about that at the moment he probably no, thinks maybe, he'd be five more years. Maybe not, but I, I think, especially at a club like Bayern, where you know your your sense of what you mean to the club and your legacy is hugely important. You look at the guys who go upstairs there. You look at um, the meaning outside their playing ability of Lahm, of Schweinsteiger. Why it was so difficult to get rid of Schweinsteiger when he was completely past it, and you needed Pep Guardiola to be brutal and go, "Look, he can't do it anymore." I know it means a lot to the club, but we're getting rid of him. And you know that was proved to be totally correct in the way he performed for Manchester United afterwards. So I, I can't believe that Neuer is completely divorced from that notion, especially as they've always said, you know, you're you're part of you're part of the brass here at uh, uh, Bayern almost. But I think if you're him, you know, you're thinking, surely you must be thinking, uh, well, at the moment I'm thought of as one of the best goalkeepers in Germany's history. Am I going to be thought of as Jens Lehmann after this, if, if I behave like this? <laughs> My only other thought, which I just had, as Luke was, was saying that, about only having one is, you know, is the next natural evolution of the sweeper-keeper not to have a keeper who might sometimes play outfield, you know, let mm. him play at sweeper sometimes. Yeah, why not? Pe- Pep Guardiola would have played him as a centre-back. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no I was it. reading that Newball was, you know, was a striker up until he was uh, a teenager. And even like when he first switched over at Paderborn, they were saying that he would sort of do a bit of both. And there was one game where they took him out of goal and it was nil-nil at half-time and they wound up winning 5-0. So who knows? <laughs> Maybe you could sort of get some outfield use for him. Well, I mean, we've moved on a lot as a sport since the goalkeepers just wouldn't be involved in training in any way but they're just oh, they're, the goalkeepers now they go over there they don't get involved yeah. I mean, Edison is a great example Alisson they can all play can't they um, what do you think is going to happen here what's, what's the upshot what's, how, do you, how do you predict this will transpire well, fist fight I think say fist fight it's going gonna, it's gonna to be uncomfortable yeah. But, you know, Bayern live to a degree off discomfort. I, I, yeah. I don't think, you know, we can get away from that. It's it's interesting because, as as we say, they are moving on upstairs. Hernis is gone, although he'll still be poking his oar in. There's absolutely no doubt about that. There's a date for Rummenigge to leave. It's clear that Khan is going to be a massively influential figure going forward. And, you know, that, that internal debate 
is a huge part of what makes Bayern Bayern. Zidane, the Falcate, Figo anticipato. Palla che sembra essere buona ancora per Del Piero. Attenzione Del Piero contro Hierro, una serie di dribbling, lo fa cadere, gol! Alex Del Piero raddoppia, ha giocato, ha beffato. And your game of the week pick was Sporting <coughs> v Porto. And it turned out to be a good game. Sporting were beaten at home 2-1 by, by Porto. I enjoyed it. I watched it, the, the vast majority of the game. It's a, it a very, very interesting one. Um, sporting have been disappointing this season. What did you make of the game and what do you think is going to happen next? Well, Sporting were disappointed that they didn't get anything out of it. They, they were very unlucky, I have to say. Yeah, I, I think I, I, one, one newspaper, I think it was uh, Ojogo in, in, in Portugal, was saying, apart from the first... Now, in fact, I think it was it was Silash, the sporting coach, said if um, you take away the first 20 minutes in the last 15, we were the best team. And mm. I, I, I think that's a reasonable well, assessment. I agree, it. because the, the, the opening goal, Morega's opening goal was very fortunate. It, it was. Well, the, <clears> the ball from Jesus Corona, <clears> from <throat> right back, he cut inside and played <clears> this long pass through the middle. It's an unbelievable pass. And Morega kind of over-controlled it straight into the goal, didn't he? Maximiano should, should probably shouldn't have. I mean, it's gone down. Opta have listed that as an error. But I wonder if that's a bit harsh because he, I mean, not Because even, you'd expect the striker to have a better first touch than that. Yeah, but not even Moregan planned to do it. No, so, I mean, no, no, it's, no. It's kind of a bit harsh that he's come out to meet him and, and he's complete. Anyway, we don't need to get into the, into the bones of that. that. That meant that put them on the back foot. They did hit the post and the bar. Coates hit the bar with a header late on. Um, yeah, Vieto hit the post. That was an yeah. extraordinary moment because it was 1-1 at the time. It's a great bit of play from Vieto, who I think has had a pretty good season overall. It's not just his goals. I think the, the is all round play, and I think this game's a pretty good example of this. He was, he was, he was good. Uh, he took the ball behind the Porto defence, which was we have to say Pepe went off injured in the first half, and that made a huge difference. They were they were quite malleable after that. And as Vieto in that sort of inside left position got around the back of the Porto defence and eventually had the shot that mm. hit the the near post of Marchesin and came back out. It almost hit him. It almost hit him back in the face. Yeah, well, uh, but the Great amazing the amazing thing about it was there was there's been a lot of um, uh, post match talk about the amount of pyro there was from the sporting fans <laughs> on the pitch, and, and there there was actually a, a bit of pyro on the pitch, yeah. quite near to where the shot came back off the post. And before the ball even went out of play for a throw-in, there was a fire marshal on the pitch retrieving it. And yeah. you're like, what is happening? Yeah. No wonder no defender wants to yeah. get near him. His <laughs> leg might catch fire. It was, it was a crazy game. Um, I, I wonder what it means for, for Bruno. I mean, if, it, if indeed it means anything for Bruno Fernandes. That sporting were unlucky in this game. They, as, you've, as you've already mentioned, Andy, they dominated a decent portion of it, but they are quite far adrift in, in the league now from the top two. Yeah, um, Fernandes was a guy whose name was on everyone's lips. He would be mentioned every single transfer window for the last three or four. We're in the middle of a transfer window now. He had a quiet game uh, this time out. He did. Uh, I mean, he's 25 now, I think. He's had a good season, really, so far. But what what's the, what's the reality looking like for him? Has he kind of missed the boat now for a, for a big move, or do you think it will still happen? No, I don't think he has. I think it will still happen. Um, they did well to hold on to him last summer I think none of the offers they got primarily from Tottenham quite matched the level that they were they were hoping for I wonder if they might come to a point where they regret not selling him a little bit earlier yeah. I, I don't think it will be a regret for him I think it will be a regret for, for them because I don't think his status is particularly affected by what happened last season he's still young enough to go and do a, a tremendous job elsewhere you look at um, some of the big teams in the Premier League that, that could do with him and they could probably still do with him and the difficulty for them is the whole world knows they've got a difficult financial situation now, a, a situation where they have to sell players. Now, Acuna, who scored the equaliser, very nice equaliser in this game. He's another one who's susceptible to be sold as well. Ideally, they would not sell Bruno Fernandes this January. Um, I wonder if there might be a similar sort of move to the one that was mooted with Real Madrid last year, where they were potentially going to sell him mid-season and keep him until the end summer, of the season. Yeah. Or that they, they talked about selling him last summer and keeping him for, for this season. 
also with Real Madrid. I wonder if that might happen um, because they, they need money. Uh, there's no two ways about that. They're not going to make the top two. I think that's that's pretty clear now. Mm. I don't think it's an unreasonable thing to to come out and say that. Even if Porto rode their luck a little bit to to win this game, they've they've got the better squad, they've got the better coach. Um, they're in a better place and you know they're really battling it out with Benfica at the top interesting side note actually about Porto that after this game they've won if you look at the the classicals the the game between the games between the the, the, the big three of Porto Benfica and Sporting Porto are the only team out of those three who in those direct confrontations have won more than they've lost mm. since the turn of the century mm. and that says a lot I, I don't not just about how dominant Porto were at, in the first decade of the century, but it says a lot about how Sergio Conceição has turned things around, really. I mean, bear in mind, this was a job that Michael Silva was the first choice for, that he didn't accept because they basically said to him, OK, we need you to win us the title back and make a 100 million yeah, euros worth of sales. Yeah. And he was like, oh, no, 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 thanks. Maybe I'll like stay in the Premier League, Glare. I'll go to Everton and do the opposite of that. <laughs> Nowhere near the title and bring in £150 million pounds worth of players the other way. Yeah, yeah, very much so. It's in, <laughs> He's incredible. counting his money now. He's sat around <laughs> yeah. counting his money, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Whereas Constance House is still getting up for work every morning. <laughs> yeah, I know. But Punching people or not. Or, or not. Yeah. No, he, he definitely didn't. He definitely <laughs> didn't. <laughs> but but Constance Howe has, has, has done an incredible job. I, I've, I've, I've mooted a number of times on here, Nicky. I think he will turn up in Serie A at some point. He's, he's a really smart coach. He's a really aggressive coach in the best possible way. And um, when he says a number of times, I'm talking over 50. <laughs> <laughs> he's mentioned under 60, though. Yeah, probably. But yeah. I, I think, you know, you look at his links with Italian football before. And yeah. I, I love when Porto played Roma in the Champions League last season. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were asking him, well, it's, it's kind of like a derby, isn't it? It's like a Rome derby again with you and Di Francesco on the mm. touchline. And he's like, no, 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 no. And like the minute that they're on the touchline, they're at it. Yeah. They're yeah. absolutely at it. I mean, his team plays with his fire as well, which is absolutely fantastic, which I love to see. And that is the sort of fire that enables them to, to dig out games like this. Now, funnily enough, one of the major criticisms that's been levelled at him in Portugal is, well, he favours players who are, are strong and tough ahead of, artists really and, yeah. um, and Porto have been spoilt with some some good players some great players in the 21st century and Consisau said like just before Christmas he said well it's fair to say um our team this year is, is not exactly a pornographic team. Mm. Did he? Which I, but I'll tell you what, though, Andy, you say about the players he, he likes. What about Nakajimo, who carries the ball really well, beautiful player to watch? But it's taken him time to get in the team. Yeah. And, fine, you okay. know, that's been seen as a, as a typical Constantin move. And he did have influence in this game. I thought oh, he's, yeah. he's, he's pretty good. They were terrified of him to me. Yeah. Like they were terrified yeah, of him. Yeah, they, they, they were, especially in the, in the first half. But that thing about aesthetics, yeah. that would not be so much of an issue in Serie A, would oh, it? Well, it depends on the team, but, yeah, sure. but yes, I think you're, you you're, generally, up there, you're generally right. I mean, it's interesting, of course, because um, Paolo Fonseca is there right now and, and doing well. You sort of wonder if, in a weird way, that just sort of broadens people's attention. Although, funnily, Fonseca, if I remember right, had a bad time at Porto when he was there. Dreadful. So, yeah. um, but uh, yes, I, I can see it. Um, it we're not... Hmm, well, I suppose you start thinking about which clubs it could be and... and We've already talked about some, haven't we, with Milan and... and would he go to Milan? I mean, look at that place and you think, why do I need that? Do you know what's... I mean, there is a tricky element with Milan, which is knowing... Um, you know, you have to recognise that the mess they are in has got as bad as it is, not entirely because of the people who are in charge now. I mean, you had the sort of weird... Mm. Um, you know, the, the stranger sort of Xi Hong era of just absolute bizarre ownership of not, you know, a guy who many people suspected was not everything he said he was turned out to be not everything he said he was um and a lot of damage was done then and you know Elliot management um whatever they are or they aren't they're not interested in losing a ton of money on this so you'd like to think that they're going to be more rational in some of the decisions that get made going forward and perhaps that persuades a manager it's still Milan it's still a club that can get 60,000 fans in but um, I don't know. It, you know, Concesão may be setting his sights higher at this point. I definitely. He was. He was. A, forgive me if I got this wrong, but he was a player at Lazio, wasn't he? Yes. he was a, a bit of a, bit of a legend that, there. But they're doing well. I mean, Simone Inzaghi is. Yeah. I mean, the, the only reason that could come up is if Inzaghi gets poached by someone else, because Inzaghi is doing a phenomenal job at the moment. Yeah. yeah. I can't. Yeah, I can't see otherwise. Vigo has signed two goals. 
in questa edizione della Champions League contro il Genk soprattutto contro il Manchester United nella gara del Bernabeu parte, attenzione, para Buffon para Buffon e probabilmente questo è un intervento decisivo You mentioned Benfica a few minutes ago, Andy. I and, did. And, um, I mean, we have, to, we have to talk about the other big team in, in Portugal, I suppose. Um, but but leaders of the, the, the title yeah, race. Quite, but, but that's not why I want to talk about them. The, why I want to talk about them is because Raul de Tomás has moved to Espanyol just six months after Benfica signed him for £20 million. Ex-Real Madrid. Yes. Did, um, scored a bunch of goals back in La Liga. For Raul Vallecano. Who, who were really struggling at the bottom. Which did was, he score a single goal for Benfica? Uh, he scored one not in, in the, the league cup. I think yeah. yeah so what's gone wrong with him and how? what does that mean for Espanyol down the bottom of La Liga well I think it's quite interesting how they've, they've not persevered with him after pushing the boat out you know one of the most expensive ever signings um, to get a guy who yeah had scored goals in let's be honest a better more high profile league in, in an unpromising situation because to score that many goals for Rayo who are not a team um, who dominated games and created a lot of chances. I think he's really, really impressive. Um, I think he was playing a slightly different role to the, the one he anticipated, um, that he was more of a, a, a second striker. And I think the fact that uh, Vinicius came in and, and did so well and um, led the line with, with, with such personality, I think was, was an issue for him, especially as the, the season unfolded. But I do wonder if Benfica have had a, a little panic here because they've made a couple of duff striker signings um, over, over the last year and a bit. Mm. You think uh, Castillo, uh, the, 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 the Mexican, he, he didn't work out well and he, he went off pretty quickly. Uh, Facundo Ferreira, um, who they signed on a free, but they were paying pretty fat wages to, he went off to, to Espanyol pretty quickly as, as, as well. And, you know, like I said, this is not an insignificant sum for Benfica. What they spent on him in the first place, 20 million euros. They've been able to get their money back. They might even make a slight profit with some clauses that are added. Like um, they're due um, a million euros if he um, starts um, a certain number of games, a million euros if um, the, the Espanyol is saved from relegation. And whereas that is by no means a given, I think if you look at the way that Espanyol, who are under their third coach of the season with Abelardo having come in, played against Barcelona. It's very encouraging indeed. And if you've got a bloke who can put the ball in the back of the net for a struggler, like we know Raul de Tomas can do, um, I, I think that's a, a huge plus for them. So Benfica might be on for that. But I think you look at the advances they've made or the ground they've made back up on, on Porto in the last eight to 10 years, a huge part of that has been their ability to get stuff right in the transfer market. And Porto, who are you know, considered still by some people incorrectly mm. as the kings of the transfer market, mm. them going the other way. You said so, last week that's kind of changed now, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it has. And like, it's, it's a huge thing for Benfica and it's how the Luis Felipe Vieira uh, reign at Benfica has, has, has really turned around. So I can understand like the opportunity to, to get your money back so readily, thinking it's not working, um, rather than persevere with it. It's, it's quite tempting because it's so so important to their model that the things work out right I mean we talked last week about how they've made the, the big signing of Julian Weigl they've got uh, Bruno Guimaraes ready to, to, to come over from Brazil a, a, another midfielder as, as, as well um, so they'll, they'll have more in the pipeline but it's so important to the Benfica model that they get a lot more hits than misses in the, in sure. the transfer market it's, it's a huge part of their power in Portugal in recent years but Espanyol they can't score goals. They're terrible. Is it going to affect them in a big way, do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly hopeful um, that, that it will work for them. And uh, like I said, the, the performance that they gave against Barcelona was, was excellent, especially in the first half. Because um, they parachute Poch in. He's out of work. He loves them. God. He loves them. Are you, are you trying to make it... Is it going to make it better for them having a fourth coach this season? <laughs> Even if it's him? It could be. It could do. Zambrotta. Scudella. E' buona, e' buona. Pardone con il contasini per Neve. Neve, gol! Una rete stupenda. All right, let's turn our attention to the finest cup competition in 
world football. We're not talking, and we're not talking about the FA Cup. I would say that about the FA Cup on the other show I do, but because we're doing European football, I'm going to say it's the Coupe de France. Um, 47,523,114 teams entered it this year. Um, <laughs> And because there's so many teams in it, we've seen some um, some high-profile stories as well. Marseille needed penalties to get past a fifth division team. I think I'm right in saying yeah, Trelisac, yeah, which, which is very interesting. And you can help me with the pronunciations of all these. There's, mate. there's, there's been the um, uh, there's been a, a lot of back and forth in in the days following that as as well because um, Marseille put out a pretty strong team and they they found it tough there. But what is traditional is that when you have um, a pro team and especially a top flight team going away to amateurs in the early rounds of the Coupe de France. I say early rounds, it's like the ninth round, but anyway, the early, early, <laughs> the early round. I think it's the seventh, teams. to be fair. Um, and <laughs> basically, it's traditional that the team, the bigger team, give up their gate receipts, the amateurs. And uh, afterwards, the Trelisac <laughs> chair uh, president came out and said, oh, um, I'd like to say a, a big thanks uh, to, to Marseille, who aren't going to give us our... Um, Why not? Our, 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 their, their, their part of the receipts. Uh, thanks. It's been a real pleasure. Amateur football thanks you. Wow. What, what's it, what reason has been given? Any statement? Uh, well, well, Marseille said, look, we brought the fans. You wouldn't have had any fans if we didn't come. God, that's so petty. That's awful. It's, it's, yeah. it's quite, it's quite Frank McCourt. It has yeah, to be said yeah. as well. It's, it's very, it's very Frank McCourt. Anyway, it's sort of escalated in in, in recent days, and um, you know, like uh, Trelly Sack have come out again and said, you know, this this is just beyond tight. It's really insulting and mm, yeah. all, all the rest of it. They've 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 not let it go. They've tried to shame them into changing. Well, and rightly well, because so. that money yeah. would be transformative for them. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. And, and, and I mean, on the other hand, Lyon, who won 7-0 at Bourg-en-Bresse, who are just up the road from them, a club who they've got a, a great relationship with, they may have given up the gate receipts, but the Lyon fans like smashed up all the away stands. So, uh, oh great. Uh, th- they are going to pay for that. Uh, oh, good. Lyon, yeah. Fine then. Was it like some kind of Bullingdon club type arrangement? <laughs> yeah. um, and and I, I think I've got this right. So, Pierrois, is that how I pronounce it? Pierrois. Pierrois, um, who are a six-tier team from Reunion Island, won at Ligue de Niort. But how does it work with the Reunion Island team? How do they fund themselves flying to, to France? Well, they're, they're helped out. Not by Marseille, Not by Marseille. By the FFF. Um, but ba- basically, they want all the games to happen on the, the mainland. So when the lower division... When it, when there's a, a team that's at least two divisions below the top flight team or below the the, the pro team, yeah. normally it's traditional that they go away. But when it's for overseas territories like Guadeloupe and Martinique um, or whatever, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Martinique or La Réunion, that that doesn't hold. They want them all on the mainland. And to be fair, Saint Pierre Was are, are really enjoying it. I mean, they received a hero's welcome when they arrived back on <laughs> La Réunion, or the ones who arrived back did. I mean, it's very much like Cuba away. <laughs> right. Basically, a load of them have stayed on the mainland and just having a super time. Oh, and this is Dimitri Payet's old team, right? Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, Florence uh, Florence Cinema Pongol's old team. I, I, oh, okay. I like that you're you know you're selling this sort of great welcome back. And the picture you showed me from the paper was <laughs> one player standing next to a local man. I assume a local man. Yeah. Holding <laughs> a chicken. Brought, he'd brought his rooster with him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> the airport. Exactly. It's very stuff. World Cup. <laughs> I, 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 I thought. Oh, and also Toulouse boss Antoine Kumbuare lost his job. Aberdeen uh, legend Antoine Kumbuare. Yeah, they they lost to a to a lower league French side as well. But presum- well, only fourth tier in their in their case. Presumably that was just a straw that broke. The camel's back. Yeah, well, I mean, he was. They get, are awful. He was going to get fired anyway because right. they were in a, a, a dreadful mess. But really, the, the the pressure going forward on the club is is, is not going to be alleviated because um, it's uh, Olivier Sadron, the, the the president, who's going to be under the microscope. A couple of home games ago, um, there were some fans who tried to get into the ex- uh, the executive boxes and um, the director's box to, to, mm. to have a word with him and express their displeasure. Mm. They were not only turned away, they were allegedly given a bit of a kicking by some of the security guards as, as, wow. as, as, as really? well. Okay. So that's something that's created quite a, a, a bad vibe at, at the club. I do wonder where Comboare goes next. I mean, b- bear in mind, he was the guy who had 
Paris Saint-Germain, top of the right. league, when Ancelotti took over mm. and then guided them down from first to second. That was the year that Montpellier won it. But, but this is the thing. Like, I, I always think that it's one of the sort of the meanest sackings that, that can happen, right? You, you know, Christmas you sacking. Happened to be there when the club got rich. And even yeah. though you had them in first place, you just weren't important enough. So off you went. But since then, it's like his career has been in steady decline. One, mm. one year with Al-Hilal. Um, but then it was... You know, took Lon up from Ligue 2, straight back down, yeah. stayed in Ligue 2, didn't do great at Guangdong. Like, it's it's just like a steady... I mean, he's lost his last 10 games, I think, before. Yeah, have, yeah, 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 so. They've lost yeah. every game to start November. I mean, I if mean, he carries on like this, Nick, he might end up at Milan. <laughs> 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 you never know. The, the whole Lance thing was unfortunate because they were... Talking of investors who aren't what they, they, they seem, they had an investor who couldn't get his money released by the bank yeah. uh, for, for a very long time. So they were, they were a mess the season they came up and he did well to stick with them for so long. I think you could argue that he stuck with Lons for, for, for too long and that sort of like recast him almost as a coach that deals with clubs in trouble mm. rather than a coach that, mm. you know, actually took Paris Saint-Germain to the top of the league and you know maybe if he'd have stayed there for the rest of the season okay that was a really good Montpellier team with Giroud and Belanda and uh, Remy Cabela and you know they deserved to win the league that season but the fact is that they were top of the league when Ancelotti took over and they ended up second all right, time for games of the week. Last week, um, Ryan Hun picked Real Sociedad Villarreal and identified Santi Cazorla, who then promptly scored what turned out to be the winner and a 2-1 away win. That was the best kind of VAR goal or the worst kind of VAR goal in, in whichever way you look at it because it was a goal where it was immediately flagged for offside and there were, what, three Villarreal players offside? <laughs> but he wasn't one of them. And so th- 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 there wasn't even the, 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 the hint of celebration when the ball hit the back of the net. And then, two and a half minutes later, they all went bonkers. <laughs> and Ryan Hunt appears to be able to predict the future, which is obviously great for a, for a football pundit. Lottery so, numbers, please. Ryan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you had Sporting 1, Porto 2. We've talked quite a lot about that this week. Uh, Nicky, let's come to you first. What game would you recommend our listeners watch? Uh, presumably it's in Serie A, is it's, it? It's a non-contest this week. I don't care which leagues you're looking across. It's Inter right. against Atalanta. Yeah. Inter, who are... Good. Um, you know, challenging for the title in a way that they haven't done in a very, very long time. Atalanta, who have won their last two games in Serie A, 5-0. Um, the last team to win consecutive games in Serie A by five or more goals, Inter, in 1960. So, wow. been a little gap since someone's pulled that off. Atalanta, I mean, honestly, frankly, at this point, I'm almost, uh, if you ask me this question any given week, I'd just be like, who are Atalanta playing? Because yeah. th- there is there is just... Not a more fun team to watch on a weekly basis. They play this such daring football, constantly relying on players to play one-on-one all across the pitch. It may well come unstuck against Inter because Conte has got that team playing very effectively. People have misconstrued it, in my opinion, as counter-attacking football, but it's certainly very um, ruthless football, very vertical football that can exploit gaps. So it feels like it could go that way or it could go the other way and Atalanta could just continue this... I mean, oh God, you look at them right now and everyone from Papu Gomez, who Andy knows very well how much I love Papu Gomez. But, <laughs> um, but you know, you look at Josip Bilicic and you just think that is a player who is feeling himself right now. Also, he is, yeah, yeah, he yeah. is in the group. Last so. season, Atalanta gave Inter a bit of a lesson. They beat him 4-1 at home yeah. and um, Inter lost their heads. Got um, uh, Brozovic was sent off late, late mm-hmm. on. But the season or two seasons before that at Inter, Inter smashed him 7-1. Yeah. So there's precedent here for a, for a pretty exciting encounter. Absolutely. And of course, don't forget that Gasparini has his own pass with Inter as a manager Ooh. who was there for all of about 30 seconds before they decided that he was um, not up to the the grade of managing a big club like that of course mm. um, you know that was a classic case of a team a bit like Milan now who had absolutely no idea what they were doing very muddled transfer strategy he did start very badly but he had been sold I think an absolute um, I don't know dummy on that one that was a, a very tough job so he has a little a little something in his past with Inter as well so lots of reasons to watch this game there's also Roma Juve on Sunday night but I think Inter Atalanta on Saturday is the one I want to watch yeah, next catch up with that on Premier Sports uh, Andy well you know what um, I'm going to go obvious straight back uh, Paris Saint-Germain uh, Monaco on Sunday night um, now you know you may think it's going to be a battering isn't it well, you know what? St. Etienne only lost 6-1 in the Coupe de la Ligue yeah. this week. It'll be fine. It'll yeah. be fine. Um, it's interesting, I think, because um, firstly, 
Monaco under new management, uh, Robert Moreno, as, as we talked about last week. Mm. A very good uh, first win for them in the Coupe de France last, last weekend um, with uh, Cato Balde scoring right at the end against Rance, who were a no pushover by any, any stretch of the imagination. So it'll be interesting to see how he sets up because he's quite a brave coach. I mean, you know, is brave just stupid when you go to the Parc des Princes? I, I guess is a question. The interesting thing as well is against Saint-Étienne, they played the big four up front of um, Neymar, Mbappe, uh, Di Maria and Icardi. Mbappe almost scored one of the best goals I've ever seen. But the, the Rabona from 20 yards. Yeah, that it was, was just past the post. But still, Icardi and Mbappe between them got four goals and three assists. Right. Which which is something. I mean, it's interesting as well when we talk about the big four. And Edinson Cavani's not in it. You know, yeah. Edinson Cavani, who it seems as, as, as we, 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 again, we touched on last week, has come to an agreement with Atletico Madrid, more likely to happen in, in summer than winter. But if you're Cavani, I mean, he's never wanted to rock the boat at Paris Saint-Germain and both Leonardo and Thomas Tuchel have come out this week and said, look, you know, this isn't Monopoly. We don't want to get rid of him this 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 winter. But you look at that big four and you're Cavani and you think, how much of a part am I really going to play here? Mm. And I think it's interesting because you can chart the decline of Monaco just by their results against PSG. Yeah. I mean, because back in the day, a few years ago, they were competing and yeah. they would they would pick up wins. Yeah, they took a good 7-1 at the... the, the yeah, but if you look at the last four games against them, they've lost 7-1, 4-0, 4-0 and 3-1. So it could be a could be a difficult afternoon for them or evening in this case. Um, there's another good game in France this weekend, which is on uh, Friday night. It's Rennes v Marseille, uh, third v second. You can watch that on BT Sport. That's worth looking as well. So I'll um, I'll pick that one. This was a Stakhanov production.